Stop asking your buyers to do all the work of scheduling a meeting for you using calendar links. Chronologic AI predicts guests' availability with over 80% accuracy, so you can improve your buyer's experience by allowing them to just click accept on a meeting invite. Chronologic does the work of scheduling the meeting for everyone. Visit chronologic.com forward slash making fun of marketing for your free two-week trial. I mean, for, for 15 years, the last 15 years, you know, socially caused marketing has been just a cakewalk for marketers. It's always part of the plan. It's a slam dunk that it's going to be successful. You know, the environment causing social marketing. That's changed. I'm Scott Logan, and we're making fun of marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Making Fun of Marketing, where we try to make light of the things that are ridiculous that we do. And we discuss the interesting challenges that we face. Today, we're going to be talking about a very interesting challenge that we have to face now more than ever. And it's social causes and social marketing. And, and how do you evolve and push forward the persona that your company takes on? So we'll, we'll go ahead and hit that topic here with Don King. He is the advisor or advising CMO of Success KPI. You can give us the details on what that all is all about. Uh, but an interesting stat about Don is that he's also one of my former bosses. And obviously, you're on the show. You're one of my favorite bosses I've had it all, of all time. So uh, welcome to the show, Don. Is that true? It absolutely is true. You're the only one who, when you come into town, I make sure to ping you and say, hey, let's meet up for dinner. Now, whether you take me up on that offer, we have a gripe to settle about that. But no, I'm just kidding. Without embarrassing me too much, give us a little bit of background about yourself. Yeah, Scott, great, great to be on the show. I, I love your series. It's just literally made me laugh out loud many days during the week watching your stuff and i just love the topic at the end of the day i think we're going to be a little bit more serious today yeah. on our topic but thanks for having me and um yeah we've recently uh been advising a number of startups with private equity folks like marlin equity and banneker capital and partners and you know etc and you know uh long list of tech companies b2b spaces like microstrategy genesis into it way back when and really far back consumer packaged goods. Started my career uh, selling and, and schlocking Lucky Charms cereal. If you've ever eaten that red balloon, thank you. <laughs> and sitting with toast crumbs and things like that. But uh, I've been in tech for now 25 plus years. And yeah, I mean, to your point, I, I have not seen a day that it's harder to be a marketer than right now with, with everything going on. With, Coming out of COVID and all the things that, you know, everybody's living with that, with the global economy. We, I know we're not going to dig into that, but everybody knows the ups and downs. But social and cause marketing is on fire right now. And it's not a good fire. I think brands need to be very, very aware of what they're getting into and how to kind of manage through very, very kind of chopping waters. Yeah. So let's uh, add a little bit of detail to that with some specifics. Some of the Incidents that we're going to talk about here are the Bud Light and Target and Disney instances where like Bud Light did the or had the pride supporting posts and same with Target with the T-shirts and Disney with having the pride parade 
and going down the road of, hey, let's be supportive of everybody out there and taking a stance. And then all of a sudden there was some unwarranted backlash. Like I think Bud Light had a 15% share value drop. They lost the number one domestic beer sales ranking for the first time in 20 some years to Modelo and year over year for that June month, their sales were down like 25% almost, probably more backlash than they thought. And some other companies have had the same type of, you know, tight rope walk to, to walk. But what is your take on that? And, and where do you think companies' heads are at as far as how, to, how they're navigating this? Yeah, I mean, for, for 15 years, the last 15 years, you know, social and cause marketing has been just a cakewalk for marketers. It's always part of the plan. It's a slam dunk that it's going to be successful. You know, the environment, recycling, maybe the CEOs, my favorite charity. You know, at the end of the day, you're guaranteed to get a positive uh, ROI out of cause and, and social marketing. That's changed. And, you know, I think for the first time, marketers need to really, really take a look at what they're supporting. And it's not so much what they're supporting, it's how they're supporting it, right? And making sure that they're taking into consideration some of the risks. I think about Anheuser-Busch and, you know, a couple of things. One is I really support over what they did with Dylan and, the, you know, wanting a trans influencer in support of the brand during March Madness. I thought it was great. It really kind of was inclusive. But, you know, they, they did a couple of things that, um, you know, maybe are learnings for everybody. One is when issues arose, they were really slow on PR. They waited days to respond. Yeah. And you can't do that as a leading global brand. Yeah, I think you got to come out decisive. The company stood for inclusion. They stood for LGBTQ+. And they really, really, really kind of came out down, down the middle of the road, which I think confused people. So that's number one. I, I think number two is you got to know your customer segments, right? I mean, you know, we, we did this when we were together. You, you really need to know that you may have sensitivity on some of these topics and manage that in, you know, manage that in. I, yeah, one more thought is politics and the political environment is not something that when you focus on the U.S. market, you often have to think about. I mean, you do if you're marketing in the Middle East or, or in Asia, certain countries in Asia, Africa. But for the first time, I, I think you've got to be really aware that in the U.S., things are very, very decisive or divisive right now. Yeah. Almost every room is split 50-50 and, and there are maybe fewer people who are in the middle. And maybe 20 plus years ago, there were more people who were in the middle and didn't really think it upon themselves to make decisions based on what they saw a company supporting and maybe companies didn't feel that they needed to even take a stance on these things. But now, even when I was at a conference recently, very large, well-known company in the marketing and sales technology space put up a Kamala Harris meme and I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, that relates. That's kind of a funny thing to throw in there. They weren't taking a political stance. They just used a meme. And all of a sudden, we get people on the trade show floor when we break from the session. And it was being talked about like you wouldn't believe. I was shocked at how many people said that they either loved it or they literally were changing their opinion of the company because of it. 
and I'm not taking a stance one way or another. I didn't even think anything of it. I was just like, oh, that was cute. Thinking of it in the marketing stance, but I don't think they realized that they were going to divide the room at that point when they threw that joke up there that wasn't even taking a yeah. political stance. So it, I think you're right. There's way, way more to think about when you start throwing political and social issues into the marketing bucket. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting too how it's rolled into even more issues, right? So you, you had all those great stats on the effects for AB and Bev with, with the brand Bud Light. And now you've got employees. So, so employees of the company at potentially like Target being threatened over company policies. So that, that has changed the conversation to a complete C-suite conversation, almost like a border-level conversation on some of these causes and social marketing efforts because of the dramatic impact that it's having right now. <laughs> hey, I'm a huge believer in, in, in social marketing. And if I could say one thing that sticks with everybody here that's going to watch this is stand your ground. Like, keep keep going, keep supporting it. It is the right answer. But you do have to be sensitive to how, you, how you're presenting it, what you're supporting, and maybe the timing that you're supporting stuff at the end of the day. Because God knows you don't want, you don't want anybody getting hurt at your company because of a marketing campaign. Yeah. Someone getting hurt at the company is unfortunately more real than just their feelings hurt or their emotional distress increasing because it affects your every day. And when we go to the Pride Parade every year here in Salt Lake and my wife likes to go and get matching t-shirts for the whole family and we make a big deal out of it. Right. So she went to Target to right. get matching t-shirts for all of us and they had no children's sizes. They were just gone for the first time. And so she quickly Googled it and asked an employee and they found out that they removed those because of that social media post that went viral where the target wasn't standing down from having those shirts sold. They were just removing the children's shirts because of that post because they said they feared for the employees of the stores in case right. the most extreme of the most extreme viewed people were going to come in and cause harm to the store or to employees or cause a ruckus where maybe stopping the ruckus would cause injury. And that was shocking to, to hear that that was the cause and effect that we're faced with right now. And I feel that it's not just with big brands, it's with small brands as well. We had a situation where a contractor had ended his contract he wasn't even from this country and they posted very, very strong, very, very one-sided derogatory posts on their LinkedIn. Now, even though their contract had ended with us months ago and they hadn't posted anything on LinkedIn at that time they were employed with us, now that their contract ended, they had us as their most recent employer and didn't put an end date and then went radical on LinkedIn. Well, a few people picked that up and said, how could Chronologic support these views? Does this mean Chronologic is the, the advocate for this type of a person and this type of a point of view? And they had decent sized followings. This was even within the first few months of my employment here almost three years ago. And 
I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to do some reconnaissance. So within, I think it was an hour where I was able to get our leadership on a call and then respond. We posted that this person is no longer employed. The contract ended this date and time, and we don't support the views of this person. This is this own person's individual, you know, please remove us from the post and not include us in this conversation, but please continue to have the conversation as you feel fit. Just know that we're not a part of it. And that person refused to remove us, but people in the thread, which was now dozens and dozens of people commenting on this thing, did come and back us up. And the comment said, hey, Chronologic posted this in a timely fashion. They said that this is a contractor. They're not employed anymore. Please take you know them out of the conversation. And then after a few of those posts happened from the commenters, it then was directed more so to what happened as opposed to us being related to what was being shared. And so that was a bit of a relief. And I think, like you said, the timeliness of our reaction helped quite a bit because exactly. it was during the time that the thread was still very lively and active that we inserted ourselves into the conversation and and took our stance within that. I don't think that anyone is immune to it. You may have even had some situations as well. Yeah, in that example, I am glad to see that you guys reacted quickly. Could have gotten worse. You know, there's always been this kind of, uh, well, explicit and implicit kind of rule on certain platforms like LinkedIn, right? It is more reflective of you acting as an employee of the company versus, you know, what you might say or do on potentially Facebook or Twitter. So it's always been a fine line. I mean, a lot of companies have employees sign certain restrictions. We don't have to get into that, but you know, that varies, especially as you kind of move up the chain. They're more interested in what you're saying and not saying, right? At the end of the day, if you're the CMO of the company, as an example, I think most people on LinkedIn uh, that view LinkedIn posts are educated and aware enough to understand the difference between somebody going off and, and what the company has to say. I also think that people are pretty well-mannered. Everybody's been on Twitter. You really want to get into it. it it's a great platform still for that, give or take Elon. Um, and, and um, you know, it's right place, right time. I think you guys reacted well. I, I think more brands, I mean, we talked about AB. You know, I think Starbucks, you mentioned them earlier. I think Starbucks was really, really quick to jump in on some the news reporting that they were restricting stores from decorating for pride. And it looks like it, it's actually factual that based on certain regions of the country, managers were asking store employees not to put up certain things because of a fear of violence. You know, I, I think they've worked through that as a solution, but what I did love is that Starbucks came right out and they stood the ground and they said, no, every store is allowed to decorate. We a hundred percent support it. We're looking into it and you know, we're going to stand our ground as a brand and deliver on our promise of inclusion for the company. And I think that's important. I think that's important for everybody as a marketer, you can't market to a slim minority that doesn't necessarily voice the silent majority's thoughts. Maybe in many ways, Anheuser-Busch is reflective of the fact that it wasn't a slim majority. It was a much bigger group uh, for that customer base. So, Yeah, yeah, that goes back to that second point that you called out of know your customers and maybe your version of supporting inclusion or or 
whatever cause it is that you're supporting doesn't even have to be LGBTQ, uh, I plus that you have could be even an environmental thing. If you're in that space, you, you just need to maybe take different tact and, and different approaches to, to take a stance if you're going to do so. You raised a, a question earlier, a comment where there's employee agreements that you share or don't share because of the reflection of you. What's your viewpoint on that and restricting it from LinkedIn? Because LinkedIn is essentially your work version of you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me this Oh, question. I'm going right at it. That's <laughs> the interesting one. It came up. <laughs> it came up. It, it is a tough one because, you know, we're right now talking about a topic I'm very passionate about just given who I am as a person and who I am as a marketing leader. I am necessarily not a huge fan of silencing people at the end of the day, but I think you need to keep it professional. To your point, LinkedIn is a very different platform than Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. I think it's okay to have opinions. I think it's okay to have potentially opinions that may differ from the company, but at least stay somewhat close to the values and be professional. And I, I think in the example you gave, you know, your, the individual may have gone off the deep end a little bit, which is, which, which is his or her right, but you are kind of carrying that company badge with you on certain platforms. And I, I think you need to be very sensitive about LinkedIn because there, there are ramifications not only for the company, but you know, for you and your career. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point. I think the size of the company you are, you know, perhaps depending on your legal team, you have a choice or don't have a choice because, you know, who's going to go after a five person startup for a billion dollars versus who's going to go after Anheuser-Busch? for a billion dollars, there's a, a bigger target on your back. So that that may matter too, as far as what steps you take. But I agree, we always just mention to employees after that incident happened that, hey, we're not gonna say, don't say something. If you, you know, free to say whatever you want on any of the social platforms. However, when it comes to LinkedIn, do know that it is an extension of the company. So just be tactful still support causes, still do yeah. whatever you want. Just don't be derogatory is essentially what we were stressing. Just don't be negative. Yeah, and yeah. make yeah, sure that to, it's to contextual point. to the platform that you're on. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, that's disconnected from the company. That's you. But when it's LinkedIn, there is an extension there. I've got a kick over the years about people like on Twitter. The, like This is the Twitter of Steve Smith. Then it reflects Steve Smith's comments and thoughts not the company that he or she or, or they are working for at the end of the day. So, you know, there, there are workarounds, but again, it just gets back to, it's a unique political environment for marketers right now. Again, nothing like most people have ever operated in separate of some of the global stuff you may be running and managing through. You've really almost like got to slow down, I think, and understand kind of where it's going and how much of that rhetoric you need to incorporate and really consider and how much is just political banter. You know, that's, again, that's going on for the election. And unfortunately, it's the next couple of years here at least mm -hmm. that this is going to have to be discussed, I think, within the marketing team. And then I think within the extended executive team at companies about what, what kind of brand, being bold, 
may be the answer, but that was also the answer last 10 years and the easy answer for a brand. You, you may want to think about what being bold means now for, for you and your company. Yeah, I think it's probably pre common sense or maybe an easy decision to make is, is a better way to put it to just steer clear of politics whatsoever. <laughs> like, don't even make it a thing that you're going to take a stand on publicly, perhaps, unless maybe your business aligns to that and, and that's your market, How and maybe it's expected. But I'll pose a question to you on, like, just say, because at the time of this recording, Pride Month, and a lot of companies, including ourselves, put the Pride logo incorporated into our logo is pretty common to see on LinkedIn and right. is just not taking a stance on a social topic like pride during June, also taking a stance. <laughs> you see some companies that don't have anything and you're like, well, why don't they have something as a marketer? You're like, Did, is there a reason that like, what's, what's going on there? Like it almost raises the question if you step out. So what's your take on, on not touching an issue? Yeah, let me first comment that the the funny thing about the Pride logo change in June for companies is that was their program. Yeah. <laughs> they, they may have something on Slack to the employee group and saying it's Pride Month and they changed the logo and hey, we killed it. <laughs> and so, so that that's pretty funny to me, just kind of like at a high level. I've definitely noticed this year a lot of companies have not changed their logos. And I, I understand as a marketer, and I, it is a little bit of a statement for the brand. They're shying away. You know, again, nobody's really ever seen the impact of anything about, like what happened to Bud Light. And good news is Bud Light's recovering, right? At the end of the day, shares back up, stock values back up, you know, things like that, which is good news. But I think if a brand feels that they don't want to do it, I think that's okay. I'm supportive of that and understand, but make sure you talk it through and make sure you think about it. And maybe you think about other ways that you can be supportive on that social cause, right? That you champion probably for the last 10 years with your logo change, you know, and maybe some t-shirts or something internally. So yeah, you could do it in many different ways, but it gets to the discussion about just such a sensitive time. Yeah. And we like to talk about tactics when it gets down to this part of the discussion. And I think the LinkedIn component is also something that has some tactical decisions. It's not just, do you change your logo or not? Like that's, that's one component, but that component has dynamics to it. Do you change the, just the banner on your LinkedIn page? Because that lives only sure. with the company. Or do you also ch change the favicon or icon that goes on everybody's experience that works or has ever worked for you in the past and lists you. So now it's on their profile page. Now people know that it's connected and controlled by the company, but some people who have a different point of view and it doesn't even have to be pride, it could be whatever. If you adapt your logo to support a cause, maybe that person isn't totally aligned with that cause for whatever reason. And do you do that or do you just do the banner? Or do you do both? That now becomes a, an even sensitive topic where, okay, we're supportive. We have a program. Part of the program is to change a logo. Well, now what level do you change a logo? 
That's still great. I mean, you're right. Three years ago is you changed the logo, changed the banner. You had an LGBTQ plus campaign running on LinkedIn and maybe even on, on Google's network or whatever. And you were really kind of out there. And now, you know, what's that kind of right balance? But that's the right question to me. That, that's what marketers have to go. But it, it shouldn't be as easy as, oh, let's do nothing. Let's not do anything because we, I mean, you stood for the cause. Your company's behind the cause. Do something. You know, I think at the end of the day, especially looking into next year, which next year could be worse from a political environment where in the heat of the election, you can see how the kind of battle lines are getting drawn. And it's, I think for cause marketing and, and social marketing, it's going to be even ch more challenging for marketers. So good luck. Yeah, good luck <laughs> for sure. So the smaller size company, say 100 employees or less, obviously the C-suites or at least maybe the CEO and the CRO or, or maybe the whole executive team would get involved in these types of cause marketing types of issues because it affects the brand in many ways, positive and potentially negative, depending on your audience. But right. for the larger companies, like 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 plus, 100,000 plus, how do you actually navigate that on the marketing team if your marketing team is hundreds of people say nothing's being done do you bring it up to someone do you ask someone about it who should potentially be in charge of raising that issue if you're like a content on the content team or a content leader or you are the social media person and it doesn't necessarily get brought up because maybe even as a leader of social marketing you're at a Fortune 20 company and you don't have that kind of access. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what I'd love to see and the way I'd like to see it run is that marketing puts together the options to, to your points and kind of understands the market, right? And what's going on to all the points that we've had to, on this call today. And secondly, for the first time, the executive team probably is involved at an enterprise-sized company in this kind of cause and social yeah. marketing discussion, which they typically wouldn't be. You know, typically CEO would nod with the CMO and it's like, yeah, great. Go, go do it. Happy pride, you know, enjoy. So that, that's a change. I think the company internally has a responsibility to its employees, especially its, L, its LGBTQ plus employees to tell them what, what the game plan is. What's the game plan? Where do we stand? And if it's different than last year, which it is for many companies this year, yeah. you should be transparent to your employees about where you know where you're netting and get their input. At the end of the day, this will have ramifications for companies that people want to work for and the brands that they are. And you mentioned about brands kind of making a statement by doing nothing. And I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people where it matters. It, it matters to me. And it would be something that I, I would be looking at. You look at Gen Z, you look at millennials, they tend to be very, very in tuned to social cause stuff and more so maybe than old timers like me at the end of the day <laughs> and you know it's important to have a really kind of clear communication strategy internally and again evaluate the market correctly I think. yeah we hadn't even talked about the hiring implications of our potential fantastically amazing potential future employees not going to consider working for you because Maybe you decided to opt out just for whatever reason, 
of doing some kind of public awareness on a certain issue. So uh, that's, yeah, an, another thing to think about. I also think that going along the lines of if you're at any size company and maybe you're in charge of the content and that includes social or you're just one of the, the social folks, uh, you could use these moments to gain exposure within the leadership team, bringing it to their attention, saying, hey, here's my thought on this. Here's a different point of view. Here's some pros and cons of some things that we could do and, and, and at different levels of scale and use that to be a more significant voice within the company and the marketing team, I assume. I think that I would probably do that if I were at another company and you leading all sorts of different teams, I assume you would embrace that. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think everything you said, I agree with. And uh, yeah, I was just thinking that role, the chief diversity officer has become such an important role for so many companies because they're, they realize they realize it matters. And that to me, just kind of ebbs throughout the culture, right? And kind of what's important and you know, what's not. I do get back to managing a lot of millennials in Gen Zers especially in the last X number of years, like 10 years. And it's impressive to me how important this stuff is for yeah. them. Because when I started working in the early, early 90s, it was like, yeah, I want a great job. I want to make money. I want to get promoted and things like that. And you, you just weren't as aware yeah. as you are today on some of the issues and how you can impact them. So it's, it's all good stuff to me. A much more vibrant, better educated more productive, more important workforce. Yeah. So, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Wrapping all of this up, be quick to respond whenever yes. you respond. Give some examples of the benefits of that because you can insert yourself into the discussion rather than being reactive and playing defense for X amount of time after that. Uh, know your customers and then have that discussion with leadership, with HR, with your marketing team and just identify what it is you want to support, openly support, how big of a program should it be, what should you do and, and what that looks like and defining that ahead of time so you can be proactive about it and know what your responses will be if something like pre-triage stuff, I think would be good. Exactly. Anything else to add to that? Yeah, I think I would add is uh, pointing it a few times, just really for the U.S. market, to take a look at what's gone out politically. I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I'm not taking sides. What I'm saying is be aware of it. You just haven't necessarily had to do that all that much in the last 15 years. Lots of rhetoric, but you didn't have to consider it impacting your marketing plan. It clearly just did for Bud Light. It did. So, awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for spending time with us and sharing some insights on this very hot topic right now. And it'll probably only become more important in the future, I see. As always, awesome to spend time with you, Don. And we'll catch you again. All right. Thanks, Scott. A pleasure. If you like this episode and you want to hear more episodes of Making Fun of Marketing, Go ahead and check out us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or chronologic.com forward slash podcast. And we will catch you next time. Thank you, everyone. Hopefully this was a bright spot in your day. You can go ahead and listen to more episodes at chronologic.com forward slash podcast. And give us a five-star review and subscribe if you just want to hear more and get a bet. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone.